Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Good morning, Transformation Church. Man, it is so good to be with you guys today, and I can tell they have my microphone on Pastor Jamie's level, because it is loud. (laughs) I like to be loud. Sorry, guys. Um, It is so good to see you guys. Thank you, Pastor, for letting me be up here. Thank you for letting me talk to you guys and share. Um, We are in such a fantastic series, Bars Over Battles, right? We're talking about the bars in the Psalms, the poetry, and how that helps us fight battles in our lives. But first, I got to let you guys know um, that pregnant lady, that beautiful pregnant lady up here that was singing, that's my wife. She's beautiful. She's so awesome. And wow, it's so cool. Uh, Yesterday, she had Braxton Hicks contractions, and we were walking to the car, and she goes, oh, and stops. And I'm like, what's happening? And she said she was having contractions. And so I'm like, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? Like, we've got a busy weekend. We don't have time for this. Baby, uh, stay in there. And uh, (laughs) so the idea is um, that she might text me or something if she goes into labor during the service. But I'm sorry, what you don't know is that this isn't my first rodeo. And so I know that you cannot have your phone out while you're preaching if teenagers have your phone number because, you know, they're about to hit you up with some funny gifts and things like that. So if you go into labor, I don't know, just holler out or something. I'm not going to be looking at my phone. Um, <laughs> it, it's so good to be with you guys today. We're in this series, Bars Over Battles, and we're looking at the Psalms. So let's dive in to our first scripture. It's in, in Psalms chapter 57, verse 2, and it says this. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. What a good passage. I'm going to read it one more time. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purposes for me. Aren't you glad that God fulfills his purposes for you and we don't have to? Right? I'm glad that God is the one who fulfills his purposes in my life because I remember when I was younger, I had a purpose. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And I started trying to live that out, and I started trying to walk that out. Well, uh, it got shut down real quick when I didn't make the high school baseball team. So I said, hey, that's not God's purpose for my life because he will fulfill his purposes for our lives. And David is such a great example He shows us an example of what it means to serve the purposes of the Lord, what it means to follow after God and to see God fulfill his purpose in our lives. And so that's why I think the first thing I want you to walk away with is is this. It is so important that we serve the purpose. We serve the purpose God has for our lives. David shows us what this looks like, right? He's given this promise by uh, the prophet Samuel when he arrives to one day that he would be king over Israel. And David then goes about serving the purpose, serving God, allowing God to fulfill that in his life because he's not immediately made king. He turns around and goes right back out to the pasture. And then David goes through this process, right? He 
goes and he slays Goliath and he wins a great victory and he finds favor in Saul's court. And when he's in Saul's court, we talked about week one, how Saul is full of jealousy for David and he throws spears at David and David has the humility, he has the the strength to not pick the spears back up and throw them back at Saul. And so then David goes on the run and he's running away from Saul and, and all the while he's still serving the purpose. He's still serving God. He's, he's waiting because God has promised that he would one day be king. And so all the while he's on the run and that's where this psalm is written. It's written while David is on the run and he finds himself in a cave in 1 Samuel chapter 24. And that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to go read this unique psalm has its context in, in 1 Samuel. And so we can learn a lot about it. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, David is on the run from Saul. He's hiding in a cave. And in a very spiritual verse, it starts out verse 3. He, being Saul, came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. (laughs) The Bible is real. The Bible is real, right? He goes in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way way. David finds himself in this cave and he's serving the purpose that God has for his life, but it hasn't been easy. The circumstances are a little strange. He's in a cave and this cave is is full of uh, the kind of the lowest of society, the criminals and these people. And so he's in this cave with kind of a rough bunch And they see what's happened. Saul is sitting there and they're like, whoa, this is it, David. And they tell him, isn't this what the Lord said? I will give your enemies into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. David was no stranger to combat. He was a warrior. He had killed many a men. It was not a big step for David to go and take care of business to take care of things. But David knew something. That the men, they referenced a promise that God had given him, a purpose that David was serving, but they changed it just a little bit. See, the Bible did say that God would give his enemy into his hands, that God would one day make David king, but nowhere in the scriptures does it say for you to deal with as you wish. Nowhere. You see, there's this problem that when we're serving the purpose and the promise that God has for our lives, there's a tendency. I know that sometimes I do it. There's a tendency to take the promise and just pervert it just a little bit. Just to change it just a little bit. To make it it fit our circumstance. 
right? If we're looking around us and, and we want uh, to, to just change it a little bit, we do this like with verses like Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, when it talks about the Lord will prosper us and not to harm us and he has a plan for us, right? A beautiful passage of scripture. But it was given in a context. And that context, when we understand it, is powerful. It's really strong. The people were in captivity. They were in a place that did not look like God was there. It did not look like they were, the people in the land were serving other gods. They were prospering. They were doing well. And in the midst of that context, God says, hey, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. And it doesn't look like what you might have thought it would, right? It may, your circumstances may not change, but I want you to dig in. I want you to seek me because when you seek me, you will find me, right? And so I take that and sometimes I'm like, God, I do not like my circumstances. You got a plan for me. I need your plan for me to be good. Like I, I need your plan for me to make more money. I need your plan for me to make life easier, right? And we take it and we twist it just a little bit. And so David finds himself in this situation and he's fighting this internal battle and the Bible says he is conscious stricken. He is conscious stricken. Why? I think when we look at the text, we see something really, really interesting. At the mouth of the cave, if, if you want to put it back up there, the beginning of that verse, at the mouth of the cave, it says that he being Saul passed through the sheep pens on his way in. And so here it is. Saul is sitting there. He's waiting. He's available for the taking. Saul representing the kingdom, the promise of God for David's life. He's sitting there waiting and David creeps up and he sees something. He would have probably seen the sheep pens on the other side and David would have noticed something. He would have seen where God had started him. He would have seen the sheep pens, the place where he first met God, the place where he first started to serve the purpose. And as he creeps up to Saul, he does something strange. He cuts a corner. And for the first time, David doesn't do something with all his heart. For the first time, David doesn't fully serve the purpose of God. For the first time, David is cutting a corner on serving his purpose. And the reason I think he's conscious stricken is he looks at where he came from and where he is going. And he realizes something. He realizes that it is more important than where you're called from and where you're going. What is more important is how you get there. What is more important is how you get there. David is between where he came from and where he is called to, and he realizes that the way there is not cutting corners. 
The way there is following and serving the purpose that God had for his life, even though it did not look like what he thought it would. He's in a cave. He's with these guys who are rough. He's in a place where it looks like he is so far off from the promise of God. And I want to encourage you today. You might have walked in the room today and it feels like you're serving the purpose God has given you for your life. And it is so far off from where you thought you would be, but you've been faithful and you've been serving the purpose. I want to encourage you today, don't cut corners. Don't cut corners when it comes to serving the purposes of God because he fulfills his purpose in our lives. He fulfills his purpose in our lives. And David said, not this way. Not this way. Some of us need to be encouraged today to walk out of here and look at our circumstances and say, not this way. It is one thing to have money. It's great. Money's great. Some of us have been called to to make great money and to do great things with money for the Lord. And, and that's really awesome. And then sometimes we look at that and go, wow, if I could only arrive there. If I could only arrive there. But there are plenty of people who have a ton of money who are not happy. There are plenty of people who have a ton of family. They have a ton of all of these things that we look at and go, wow, I really wish I could have that. But what is more important is the process. What is more important is serving the purpose that God has placed on our lives. And if we're not serving that purpose and we're cutting corners, then we're not going to find the happiness and the joy and the good things that come with serving the Lord. We have to, one, serve the purpose. Two, we need to honor the process. Cutting corners is the first step towards compromise. And I think I have a pretty good understanding of this. You see, I am an avid DIYer. And at the heart of every DIY project is a cut corner. I'm going to cut the corner of cost. (laughs) Now, I'm sorry for those who really like to DIY. Uh, More power to you. The only reason I DIY is because I'm ready to get to where I want to go, and I got to cut a few corners to get there. (laughs) And so here's the deal. It doesn't work out that well usually for me (laughs) when I cut corners. Here, I'll give you a few examples. Um, One time we had a hole in our wall, like a very large hole, the kind of hole that you can't just put the putty on and fix, the kind of hole that you have to patch the drywall to fix. And so I go (laughs) to patch the drywall, and I don't have the tape and the mud, the things that you need to do this kind of project. So I take a piece of drywall, screw it in the wall, and just putty it. Like, you know, just globs of putty, the like instant quick dry type stuff. And this hole in the wall, if you touched it, it was gone. And everyone just knew it didn't work. The cutting the corner didn't work. Another time we went to this discount place and bought this very discount vinyl flooring to replace our living room floor. And they're not all made equal. And so I was like, we should start with like really discounted stuff so I can learn. 
And so I start learning this process and I break, I'm, <laughs> I probably broke like 30 pieces of vinyl flooring installing this and hours, hours, days into this project, I finally finish. And everyone who walked in our house was like, oh, that looks pretty good. And I know that under every single couch and rug, there are just little holes and breaks and, and things and it just <laughs> didn't work. But here's the, the creme de la creme. This is the most embarrassing cut corner I have had recently in my life. We were selling our house, and when you sell your house, right, you're supposed to do some fixes. So the people wanted us to do some fixes. Well, I have a friend who does this TRR business, so I'm like, I'm going to call my friend. He knows what he's doing. He can come over and help. Well, he is not an electrician. He's not a plumber. He's like a handyman. He's a generalist. He does it all, right? So we can figure this out. We have YouTube. And so we start learning what to do, and we're out in the front of our house, and there is this outlet that they wanted it fixed. And so we're trying to fix the outlet, and it's like 9 o'clock at night. He shocks himself. And it's not going well. We get it wired back. We put it in. And we're having this moment. And I look at him and I go, wow, isn't this crazy? We're sitting here messing with this teeny, tiny outlet trying to sell this whole house. How silly. We've put so much time into this outlet. Well, we finish and it does not work. It does. In fact, half the outlets in my house don't work anymore. So we've gone backwards. And we're looking at this going, man, what do we do? So we start testing like we must have tripped something, the natural conclusion. And we go around and start trying to fix it, trying to figure it out. Well, we, we do not fix it. And I've looked at this situation and I said, okay, I've cut corners. I've gone as far as I can go. I'm calling the electrician. So I call the electrician and he rolls out to our house and it is chaos. There are movers moving things and our house is just busy and it's crazy. And he rolls up and he's, he's what seems to be the problem? And I point him to the outlet and I say, I think we wired it up right. It's all good. It just won't work. And he goes, oh yeah, you tripped something. I'm like, ah, oh, you're sure. He doesn't know. <laughs> he walks around our house and I kid you not, in five minutes, walks back to the bathroom, takes a screwdriver and hits the switch in one of those switches, you know, the outlet switch. And everything is fixed and we're good to go. Well, here's the worst part of it. I'm embarrassed. He's a little bit embarrassed. And he turns to me and he goes, hey, man, I'm really sorry about this. But that'll be $95. <laughs> and I said, okay. The cost of compromise that day was $95. <laughs> There is a cost to cutting corners, right? There is a cost to cutting corners. And for many of us, it is, it's, it's really challenging. It's one thing to say, okay, all right, I've received a promise from God, right? We've all received a promise that, that he would one day return, that we would spend eternity with him, right? And we're serving his purpose. We're either in a battle, we're going out of a battle or we're going into a battle. So we are continually serving his purpose, walking out in relationship with him in this lifetime. And it is hard. It's hard, right? I'm the first one to look at the speed limit and go, well, okay, that's close. How high can I go? Eight, you're great. Nine, you're mine, right? That's what they say. 
And it's hard. We live in a life where cutting corners and compromise is so available and and circumstances make it feel like that's the only way. For some of us, I think that I think actually this is why Paul, when he writes, he he wants to do what he shouldn't and he doesn't do what he should. Paul wrestles with this. He, he struggles with this. I think David, these spiritual giants in the faith, they struggle with this compromise. They struggle with cutting corners. And, and so many of us do too. It's, it's hard, right? The Bible gives us a promise and we start to serve this purpose of training up our children in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. And then we're looking at them and going, wow, it looks like they departed. And we have to continue to serve the purpose even when our circumstances don't look like it. We have to serve it. it there, there are times when this is really challenging, right? If, we, if God has called us to start a business and it's been two years and we haven't turned a profit and now it's, it's starting to look like things are dire and, and God gave us this and we've been serving it faithfully and it, and it is so much easier to look at that job that was ruining your family, that job that was compromising all of that and that is starting to look pretty sweet. There's security, there's safety, but you know God's called you over here. David gives us one more example. He's serving another purpose in his life. And as he's serving this purpose, he cuts a corner. But this time the wheels come off. This time he doesn't just cut one corner. He starts to cut corner after corner after corner. And now he's found himself compromised. And I think sometimes that's how it goes, right? We don't wake up in the morning going, man, today I'm, the wheels are falling off, <laughs> right? We wake up and go, man, I'm ready to serve the purpose God has for my life. He will fulfill. I'm putting my trust in him. And then as the day goes, like, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut a corner here. It'll make life easier. I'll cut a corner here. And so David finds himself in the kingship, and he's serving the purpose of a king. And at this time, he starts to lose his passion for the purpose. And all the other kings are off at war. And David is supposed to be off at war, but he's not where he's supposed to be. He stays home because he's lost his passion for his purpose. How many of us lose a passion for a purpose? It's easy. Sometimes we lose our passion for our purpose. I've done this before. Um, I was a Division II tennis player, you know? Uh, it was a big time. I, was, I felt like I had arrived, college athlete, baby. Woo! Game on. We even had a sponsor. It was the big time. And so we, I'm on this tennis team, and we're playing, and, and that was like the purpose for my life at that time was to play tennis, to win matches, to play for the university, to serve God with that talent. And as, as I'm playing these matches, um, we played 60 to 70 matches a year, and I played for three years. It was a lot. And at the end of three years, I came away with a career victory number of four. 
I won four matches in three years. I don't even know how many losses that is. It was a lot. And you can imagine that loss after loss after loss, and it becomes pretty hard to be passionate when you walk out on that court. Like, okay, just hand me my beating again today. Thank you. Um, And so I did what I thought I would never do. Excuse me. I cheated. I cut a corner. And it wasn't my fault. It was the other guy's fault. But we'll get to that, okay? So I cut a corner because I had lost my passion for the purpose. And so at this moment, we were playing a match, and the other guy, he was, um, you call your own balls out in tennis. I know. There's not a referee. And so he's, he's kind of making some sketchy calls. And I'm thinking, man, I know, we're, we already know the outcome of this match. Why are you trying to cheat me? And so I get really mad. And here's where I cut the corner. I said, okay, if he wants to cheat, I'll cheat right back. And so when you serve, you serve to this box. And you have to hit the ball in the box. And it's a fairly large box. It's very big. There's lots of space. And he hits a serve. And it lands dead center in the box. And I look at him and go, out. (laughs) And he looks at me like, what in the world? He's so mad. He's irate. He's losing his mind at this point. How do we go forward? Like, he can't serve again. I'm going to call it out. It doesn't matter. We'll just keep going. He can lose, right? So there is no way forward. So what you do in this circumstance, we're at a standstill, is you go get your coaches, and then they have to come and stand there and referee the match. And so at that point, my coach was not mad at me because I lost the match. He was mad at me because he had to stand there and watch the whole rest of my match. When we lose our passion we start to find ourselves cutting corners. And so David had lost his passion and he finds himself on top of the roof of his palace and he's looking out and he sees a young lady and her name is Bathsheba and she's taking a bath. And in those days, it was customary. They would have the baths on the roofs and, and it's a tiered city, so it was very easy to see. And so he, he looks out and he sees this and he is filled with desire for her. And so he calls her to his palace and, and they have a baby together. And that's not the end of it though because she was married. And so to fix his cut corner, David cuts another corner. And he sends her husband Uriah out to battle to die on the front line so that he can cover this up. And then he brings Bathsheba and God has a problem with this. And so God sends a prophet named Nathan to go and convict David of cutting these corners, of the compromise that he's found himself in. Because at this point, he's so deep in compromise that he needs conviction. He needs someone to speak something to him so that he can see the light. And so Nathan arrives and he calls him out and he calls him to repentance. He calls him to make a change in his ways, to, to stop cutting these corners, to turn back to God. And what's so neat and important in this moment is that David receives it. How many, God can use people around you in incredible ways if we would have a willing heart to receive it. 
David receives from him. And then he goes about this process of repenting for the way that he has gone, repenting for what God has done, what, what he has done to the Lord, for the way that he has gone off track. And he says this in Psalm chapter 57, 51, verse 10 through 12. And I've lost it, so excuse me. There it is. All right. Verse 10 through 12, it says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. What I find so powerful about this moment is that David has cut corner after corner and now he's in a place of compromise. And at the bottom of brokenness and sin, David calls for restoration of joy and gladness in the lordship of God. Joy is our way back. Here's, here's what's so interesting. David, in this psalm, he calls for the Lord to wash him, to clean him, to help restore him. And, and how many of us know that when the conviction of God comes on our life, there is this, this Holy Spirit speaking to us and, and we feel that need to say, God, wash me, clean me, help, help me, God. I'm in compromise. I've cut corner after corner. But then David does something very specific. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and a willing spirit. He doesn't just stop there. He says, help me have joy in your lordship, God. Help me have joy in obedience because there is joy and gladness in following God. God's best for our lives is the, is the way that we find joy and gladness. And sometimes it can feel like when, uh, when he gives commands or ways for us to live out our purpose that it's very difficult to follow. Like it's the law. Ooh. But David understood something. That God's ways are ways of joy. Ways of gladness. Ways of goodness. I'm going to invite the band to come back out here. So many of us, myself included, I found myself cutting corner after corner after corner. And now I find myself in this place of compromise and I don't know how to get back to the purpose that God has for my life. Because he will fulfill his purposes. But we have to honor the process. And so I find myself saying, God, help me. Wash me, cleanse me. And then I get stuck there. And I say, God, help me not to sin. Help me to, 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 not, to not lie. Help me to not gossip. Help me to not look at things that I shouldn't. And if you take notice of this moment, Psalm chapter 51, David has been through the largest sex scandal in the Bible. The biggest, most crazy sex scandal. And he does not say, God, help me never to sin sexually again. 
He says, God, wash me. God, cleanse me. And then he completes the second part and help turn me back to the joy of your lordship in our life. It's so easy to get caught in condemnation and guilt that we get focused over here and all we're looking at is the sin in our life and the things that we need to get rid of to come back to purpose. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, I want you to turn from that. I want you to repent, make a turn and look at me because that's where your lordship is. That's where the joy of salvation, of following me, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I I want your heart. I want you to come back to following me. It describes this. David goes on and he describes it in Psalm chapter 19, verse 10. And he says this, he's talking about the commands of God. Remember, this is someone who has made one of the greatest compromises. He's cut corner after corner and he talks about the commands of God. And he says this, verse 10, they are more precious than gold. They're much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. God's commands are meant to be enjoyed. They're meant to be lived out in obedience to him. They're meant to be taken in and tasted and seen. And so for us, God has given you a promise. He's He's going to bring about his purpose in our lives when we honor the process. And I want to encourage you today that the process is sweet. The process is full of great joy. And the way that we get back to that great joy is we come to a place where we're saying, God, I need you. God, I want you to help me. God, I need you to purify my heart. God, I need you to cleanse me. And we make a turn. And we say, God, restore to me the joy of your Lordship. Restore the joy. Today we are turning back to the joy of our salvation. I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to go into a time of worship. And as we go into this time of worship, the song is going to say something. It's going to say, I am not enough. I'm not enough unless you come. All I want is all you are, Jesus. And if that's you today and you found yourself, maybe it's, it's compromised, maybe you've cut a corner and you're saying, God, all I want is you. All I want is you. I would encourage you, take that moment, take that step. And just lift your hands. Just say, God, I need you. God, you're all I want. Lord, we love you, Jesus. You are so good. If you're here today and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm feeling that conviction. I'm feeling like I've maybe circumstances or life or something has pushed me far from the purposes God has for my life. And I want that. I want him to begin to fulfill the purposes of my life again. I want to see him work in my life. I want a rest restoration to joy and gladness. I want to offer you a chance to make a fresh start. And all that looks like is this, is that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. And so if that's you today and you would like to make that fresh start, I'd invite you to raise your hand on the count of three. If that's you and you want to make that fresh start, one, two, three. 
three. I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yeah, I see it. Thank you, Jesus. If you raise your hand and you said, yeah, I want to make that fresh start, I just want to pray with you. If you would pray as we are praying, God, we love you. We thank you so much, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you see us, that you're not done with us. God, that, that even if life, the waves of life, the things of life push us away from the purpose that you have for us, God, you are a God of restoration. And Lord, I pray that this morning you would bring restoration, Jesus. Father, for those who have lifted their hand, Jesus, that as they confess your Lordship and they make a turn towards following you, Jesus, I pray that they would walk out of here with joy and gladness and that they would taste and see of your goodness, God. You are so great, Father. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Give it up for all the fresh stars. Give it up for what God is doing in this place. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.